Welcome to Startup Confidential. What food and beverage industry players will never tell you that you need to know if you're running a startup. Let's do this. Welcome to episode 56, The Emerging Cast Hierarchy Among Founders. A pattern has become more clear to me during the pandemic, and it's disturbing. Capital of all kinds is flowing ever more to a caste and occupational class that I'm calling the professional operators. These are teams with prior industry experience in CPG or CEOs with big fancy, big co-resumes that are installed by bankers to replace the founder. And let's be honest, folks, what's really disturbing about the latter is that it's almost always a female founder shunted to the side and turned into a head of marketing or whatever. Often, These founders appear to be happy not running the business anymore, at least initially. And many of them, quite frankly, didn't get into the business to become, you know, CPG operators in a technical sense. In this professional operator cast, the interests are generally biased towards the timelines of institutional investment firms who are nurturing this cast. And the latter want adults at the table, not industry kids smiling way too much at the trade show booth, which you should do, by the way, but hopefully not out of naivete. Wall Street LPs, folks, are behind the curtain of the professional operators, and they aren't that concerned with building brands or certainly brands built on fans, to be precise. Pump and dump business building keeps happening because it does work occasionally and because buyers still go for those businesses. It's just that the data is very clear to me that those pumping up businesses just tend not to last very long after they adopt because they were improperly built in the culture. They aren't connected to long-term cultural trends. They're not doing anything compelling enough to sustain household usage over years and years and years like kind of bar let alone to grow households continually. But then there is the much larger mosh pit folks of bootstrap companies, and I'm sure that most of you fall into that group. These are folks with no industry experience per se. Um, Some might have prior business experience, but some don't. Most of those folks will never get institutional investment offers, and some who do will walk away from them because they're smart enough to see that between the lines of the term sheets, they're very likely to lose control. And not all bootstrapped companies outside the professional operator cast get offers from the mature institutional firms who actually do treat founders well. And you'll notice those are the pickiest ones and the hardest to get any kind of conversation with. You know what, though? Increasingly, there are consumer brands started by scrappy, very smart folks without much or any industry experience who simply work their ass off to learn what they don't know as they need to learn. They are, in a sense, autodidacts, but what they're doing is they're professionalizing themselves as they grow by admitting at each rung of development what they don't know and what they need to know and getting the specialized help in as needed, either as a full-time employee or as a coach or as a consultant or whatever form it needs to be for them. And behind that professionalization is a fundamental belief that they must take total responsibility for Analyzing their own performance, not only as leaders, but as a business and improving that performance, it's their job. It's nobody else's. And they're committed to it, getting that disciplined. 
what I want to share is that there are more and more folks that are doing this. They're professionalizing amateurs, right? They started as amateurs and they're professionalizing themselves. They're even getting to phase four. Eight, they're becoming eight-figure companies without any institutional capital, without getting the quote-unquote professional operator cast involved. More and more often, they're simply becoming the professional operator. But they'll never be treated the same. Not completely. And that's what cast is about. <laughs> now, they can achieve very similar results, which is the irony. Now, yes, these folks have had seed money, we're not talking about foster kid orphans who suddenly create kind bar. That's not what's going on. They have seed money. And yes, they do tend to obtain angel investment. It could be family office, could be the rich friend they knew, blah, blah, blah. Right? So it's not that they're not getting any money. It's that they're getting the kind of money that they need sporadically in a well-managed business to fund certain growth activities. And they're doing it in return for de minimis amounts of equity loss right, to the investor. So some examples are Dude Wipes, Ithaca Hummus, Juneshine Kabucha, Dr. Squatch Soap. You heard of these guys? When I tell the full story someday behind Dr. Squatch Soap, and I will, it's going to blow you away. And it has not that much to do with me, to be honest. But when I do, every 65th floor PEVC punk out there who listens to this podcast is going to have their jaw drop because it involves nothing their boss has ever told them. I'm finding more and more of the companies like the ones I just mentioned who grow very far without venture capital or big institutional investment. And it should give you hope that you can control your company and grow it on the back of sporadic, concatenated private races that do not involve you losing equity control. But you have to be incredibly committed to professionalizing yourself rapidly as you grow. It's like a second adolescence, but one for adults, because it's very painful to make a bunch of mistakes, become self-aware of that, continue to see yourself making episodic mistakes, learning quickly from them and moving on without losing belief in yourself, out becoming insecure. And it's that insecurity, you know, that private equity firms love to prey on. Hamdi Ulukaya had a great quote to that effect years ago when he was asked why he never got involved with institutional investors in the run-up, in the initial run-up. One of the benefits of being the professional founder committed to their own professionalization is that you're not having to deal with the supposed expertise of institutional investors, which is often overstated to get you to sign, or the ventriloquist, my favorite, the ventriloquist CEO they like to install in lieu of you, who actually isn't that qualified to do shit, and the investor doesn't care because they're a ventriloquist puppet. They may not even realize that, which is a bit sad. If you honestly are sick of running your business, though, I'm not trying to pass judgment against you. I mean, finding a reputable institutional firm to basically take over the damn business, monetize it and write you some kind of check at the end, maybe the best mental health decision you'll ever make. That's your decision, right? But I guarantee you, the odds are pretty clear that you will most likely net far, far less money than had you retained control professionalize the shit out of yourself, continue to work hard simply because your equity is going to get diluted and shrink in absolute size when you bring those folks on. So it doesn't mean that you won't make millions. And maybe that's your goal. Many people have done this. I have not interviewed them to see what they really think about the situation and the whole deal and the size of the check 10 years later. <laughs> but they always seem happy in the press releases, right? Whatever that means. 
But if you really want to run these kinds of businesses and scale them as the controlling operating team from day zero all the way to exit, you absolutely can make far more in the end. <laughs> I mean, seriously, look at Hamdi, look at Dan Levetsky. And use, you can use those mega earnings to have even more impact on the world. And guess what? I'm sensing a lot of you listening want to have that kind of impact through philanthropic activities or other things that you have as side ventures or dreams. If you only had the vast amounts of capital to generate that impact, Dan Lebetsky now has it, right? And he waited and he controlled his company, scaled it beautifully. But he was willing to professionalize himself as a consumer packaged good operator. I say all of this to encourage more of you new to the industry to commit heavily to the professionalization process so that you have the choices, you have more choices as you scale so that you're not raising money, like a lot of money, in desperation and having to cave to aggressive terms that you deep down know are bullshit. Ultimately, by professionalizing your organization and behavior, you will attract the interest, ironically, of the best institutional investors out there. I know these guys, and they are looking for professional operators. Now, the good ones are not cast biased. They're not shopping for a resume. They're willing to invest in someone new to the industry as long as they demonstrate that professionalization. The problem is that's rare, guys. I'll be really honest. So I don't blame institutional capital for continuing to resort to the, you know, to the serial entrepreneur, the, the serial early stage operator again and again and again to fund. But all of this can change. So in episode 17, I discussed what professionalization really means for you, the early stage founder, new to running any kind of business, especially a complex net margin, low net margin business, and a fast growing one. This is not about being polite in mixed company. It's about something much more difficult than that. Yes, it's not for everyone, but it's part of the process of retaining control as a founder. Because the world in the stakeholder world will react to the professional founder, whether they have industry experience or not, actually doesn't matter. They're going to react to behavior. Otherwise, you know, you're free to choose to let others scale your business. Just don't make that decision because you found the process of professional development too daunting. That's a sad, lousy excuse. There has never been a better, more democratic era to access expertise, everything from leadership coaching to therapy to strategic advice to branding ideas and any other resource needed to professionalize yourself and your team. It's not 1999. And if you do it well, you can ride the ramp, folks, with smart angel and seed investments along the way. There's simply that much private wealth these days and that many accredited angel investors and family offices. So professionalize yourself and re you reduce the chances you'll wind up feeling no other choice but to bring on institutional partners to fund your growth. And you probably, ironically, will attract the best of those institutional firms, which might be potentially the best thing that happened to you if you can make that marriage work. All right, folks, that's all I've got for you this time, folks. And as always, please be safe out there. Dr. Richardson's new book, Ramping Your Brand, is available now on Amazon. Please check it out and spread the word. And don't forget also to take his Founders Quiz to see if your team is ready to ride the ramp of exponential growth. You can download the quiz at rampingyourbrand.com anytime. And feel free to share your scores with Dr. Richardson anytime at james at premiumgrowthsolutions.com.